Hey. Hey, good morning. You know, are you guys doing okay this morning? Everybody uh, up and ready and raring to go? I sense a, I sense a little bit of lethargy. Um, are you guys just holding down the emotions until 3.30? Okay. Um, my name's Pastor Art. I'm, hey, this whole series, Relationships 101, um, we're going to be talking about relationships. And it's, like it says, it's a refresher course. Uh, maybe we, we all need. And so before we get really jumping into, this, into the series, which is going to be three weeks, um, I want you to know that I like to give credit where credit's due um, regarding you know, where the material comes from and all of what I'm going to be talking about over the next several weeks isn't, isn't mine originally. It's stuff that you know, my bride and I have gleaned over a period of years, 36, uh, to be exact. And so I want to give credit to people in advance for, uh, for being experts in this series, and, and here they are. The expert sources used in this series will be Jesus and his brother James. We'll be, he'll be talking to us today. Andy Stanley, who's the pastor of a church in, in, uh, outside of Atlanta, probably one of the biggest churches in the nation. John Gottman. John Gottman runs something called the uh, Marriage Institute at the University of Washington. He's been studying relationships and marriages for like 35 years. Henry Cloud is a Christian psychologist um, who gives lots of practical advice if you, if you want to read any of these people, read them. Willard Harley is a, a marriage and family expert. And then the last expert on the list is Rhonda Lennon, uh, my bride. <clears throat> so a lot, a lot of what we're going to be talking... Uh, yeah, you get it, right? Uh, a lot of what we're going to be talking about is going to come from, from all of these experts. And I think the first thing we need to start with w- when it comes to relationships is, is that every relationship starts with... Um, hopes and dreams and desires. All right, can we start there? Every relationship starts with hopes and dreams and desires. And, and when it comes to relationships, we, you know, we like to think that you know, in, in our hopes and dreams and desires of relationships that there's always, there's always gonna be plenty of what? There's always gonna be plenty of money um, in the relationship. Um, it doesn't always work out that way. Um, you know, not too long ago, um, you know, I texted my bride, and, and I said, you know, I can't find my wallet. And she said, what's new? <laughs> and I said, well, maybe if you come, maybe, I think I left him a pair of pants um, in the closet, and kind of, would you check it out for me, because I get a little nervous when I can't find my, my wallet. So she, she texted back, and I told her, I said, y- whatever's in the wallet, money-wise, you can have. It's some incentive to look for it. And, and so the next text I got back was, $54, question mark? She said, there's 54 bucks in your wallet. And I said, you know, it's yours. And she says, no, I, I can't do that. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you some. <laughs> so the, the next day, I was, I was going, to, I w- I was going to, the, uh, to the office here. And on Tuesdays, I pick up donuts for the staff because I'm helping them on their exercise commitments for, uh, you know, for 2020. Keeping in shape, and so I went to the I went to Doughboy's Donuts, and I had my wallet, and I I took out my wallet, and and there was four bucks in there. <laughs> so she was she didn't lie to me. She said I, I left you some uh, four four bucks, but you know money's money's going to be um, money's going to be a challenge. How about how about chores? Wait, who's who's going to do the chores around the house? 
Him? All right. Yeah, okay. There's, there's, there's some pretty emphatic, you know, responses when it, when it comes to chores. To, who's going to do the dusting and the cleaning? I got a laundry pod here. Who's going to do the laundry at my house? I cannot do the laundry um, because everything comes out 10 sizes smaller when, when it comes out than before it went in. So we, you know, laundry, chores, those, you know, those, you know, goes in the hopes and dreams, you know, category uh, in some fashion. How about, how about the issue of time together? You know, how much, how much time are you going to spend, you know, in your relationship? And, you know, the first question is, well, <laughs> we're in a relationship. We're going to spend, we're going to spend a lot of time together, Right. We're going to spend tons of time together, but that's just because you're in the relationship and you're sharing time together. In other words, you're in one another's presence. It doesn't really mean that, that you're sharing time. What, what I'm talking about here is what is, the, what is the time that you're going to set aside just for you? You know, if there's eight hours of work, there's eight hours of, there's eight hours of, of sleeping, and then all the personal time, personal hygiene, you know, going to the gym, taking care of family, doing dinner, do, you know, doing all the things you do. How much time is really left over for, for your relationship, which is just kind of the, the eyeball-to-eyeball, face-to-face um, kind of time? Um, here's another one. Who's going to do the cooking? Who, who, who cooks? Who's, who, and we're going to talk a little bit about cooking, cooking later on, so maybe, maybe I probably should put this one away for just, just a minute. How about holidays? How about where are you going to spend holidays? Um, when, when Ron and I were first, you know, uh, getting together, you know, with the, the holiday discussion came up, um, and in the ho- she said, look, I'm going to make this really easy as far as holidays are concerned. And I said, that, that's good. What are they? And she said, my family just wants Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Your family can have all the other ones, and like President's Day, um, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Veterans Day, Groundhog Day. I said, you know, Groundhog Day is not a holiday, and she said, well, you can have it anyway. Yeah. So, you can, um, h- how about h- how about um, here's Peppy and Penelope. Um, how about uh, romance time, uh, intimacy time? You know, everybody has hopes and dreams and desires about, you know, the you know intimacy and you know romantic relationship. And we we've we've always kind of settled on Peppy and Penelope. I like I like I like Peppy because he's a pursuer, and I like Penelope because she doesn't like to be caught. And and Rhonda Rhonda thinks that that I said well Peppy's a pursuer, and she says you know I think Peppy's more of a stalker. Um, <laughs> You know, have you, you've seen the cartoons, right? I'll let you. You can do your own, you know, assessment, you know, about that. Um, what about what about what you drive? You know, this this is a, a monster truck and a Camaro. You know, there's lots of you know lots of things. You know, you have hopes and dreams and desires. You know about what what you're gonna what you're gonna drive. Um, how about exes that don't live in Texas? Which, which means the exes that don't live in Texas, which means they live really close. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You know, hopes and dreams and desires with respect to exes, and a lot of times our hopes and dreams and desires are, you know, maybe the exes will just um, go away. Um, how, about, how, about, how, how about what kind of pets? You, you know, you have hopes and dreams and desires about, you know, I always wanted this kind of, this kind of dog or this kind of cat. I know there's dog people and cat people. But there's, there's also horse people and chicken people. And, you know, I, it, it's, you know we ha- I have our hopes and dreams and desires associated with that. What if you were to blend a family? 
You know, blended families are, are big. You know, my, my bride and I, are, we're a blended family. Um, blended families have hopes and dreams and desires. And, and there, was a, um, there was a Twinkie in here earlier, and I don't know what happened to it. So s- someone, someone absconded with, with my Twinkie. Um, um, what, what, about, what about home sweet home? Where are you going to live? Where are you going to make home? Are you going to buy? Are you going to rent? Are you going to build? Um, is it, what neighborhoods are going to be in? Is it, are we going to care about schools and proximity to sh- you know shopping and all that that kind of stuff? Or how about how about how about vacations? Vacations are you know we have hopes and dreams and desires with respect to vacations. You know when when you're getting together in the relationship, you have all these all these ideas. You know one person thinks, well, you know. Vi- Vacations are awesome because we're going to have a camper van and the other person is more of a motel person or hotel person. And, and we, when we go on extended vacations in a camper van, we can take the in-laws with us and the other one's going, no, we're not taking, we're not taking, the, in-law, we're not taking the in-laws with it. So when, 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 it comes to, when it comes to relationships 101, and, and that's, just, that's just a brief overview of all the hopes and dreams and desires that, that we can have. And, and here's, here's what we've discovered. And when I say we, I'm talking about my bride and myself. We, we understand that when, when we entered our relationship, we had lots of hopes and dreams and desires. And, and the one thing that we didn't realize is, is that since there's no life manual for us to go to, we had to come to some understandings. And so I'm going I'm to give you three understandings this morning. And the first understanding is this. Um, understanding number one is healthy relationships are negotiated. They're not dictated. Healthy relationships are negotiated, not dictated. I, you know, if, 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 you wanna, if you wanna make better decisions and have fewer regrets in relationships or for relationships, then understanding number one is, a, is an understanding that we probably need to adopt because as, as soon as you learn, uh, now listen on this, as soon as you learn to negotiate in a relationship, you will perpetuate the relationship. As soon as you learn to dictate in the relationship, the sooner the relationship will die. And, and when it comes down to relationships and hopes and dreams and desires, all, all the things that, that we just talked about a little while ago, what happens is, is we, take, we take all of those hopes and dreams and desires and, and we hold them up. And, and we think that they're going to eventually turn into these things right here. Hopes and dreams and desires eventually end up becoming expectations. And expectations are, are really a dangerous thing because expectations, expectations are something that can get in the way of relationships. And the reason they get in the way of relationships, I, I, I was looking on Urban Dictionary, Urban, my, one of my favorite dictionaries. Urban Dictionary says, expectations are a guaranteed way for you to make sure that people will consistently disappoint you. <laughs> right? I mean, have, have, <laughs> there's applause even. You know, it's, it's true. I mean, when, when, when you take hopes and dreams and desires and, and you put them in this expectation box, what, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for, you're setting yourself up for failure. And, and I know the question is, well, shouldn't I have expectations in the relationship? 
And the answer is yes, but the answer has to be you have to have reasonable expectations. And where do reasonable expectations come from? Uh, you know, I've been around long enough, uh, and, and I've given myself permission at 72 years of age to write my own definitions sometimes, okay? And so I'm going to give you Art's, Pastor Art's definition of expectations, and, he, and here it is. Expectations are mental pictures of imagined outcomes unsubstantiated by reality, let alone any form of previous discussions which you believe will come to fruition in your life. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's you know, we, we all have... The, the expectation that when, we, when, when we're in the relationship, there's going pl- to be plenty of time. There's going to be plenty of time. Um, because, because we're going to live in the same home. There's going to be plenty of time. And, and, and what I want to tell you is that if you just expect that there's going to be plenty of time, there will never be plenty of time. My bride and I, um, some time ago, got, got to the point where we, real, we realized that we were having, and maybe you have them, is that because our schedules are so busy, because our schedules are so busy, that we found ourselves having discussions uh, about really important things um, in what I call drive-by conversations. You know what I'm talking about? You know, one person's doing their hair, the other one's brushing their teeth, um, we're letting the dog out, or we're putting the dishes in the dishwasher, or all of these, all of these things are going on, and we're, we're, trying to, um, we're, trying to be, we're trying to be busy and at the same time have discussions about things that are really important and they don't ever come to fruition because they're just drive-by conversations. And, and you know what we had to do? We had to finally say, let's negotiate let's negotiate check-in time and we thought wow that's pretty novel and so we 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 began sharing that concept with other couples then we you know when when things would be when when things would get in a in a jam we we would say to people how how much how much check-in time do you have and they said, well, what's check-in time? And I said, well, check-in time, or we'd say check-in time is the time when, when you unplug. You, you unplug all, uh, all the electronic devices, you turn off the, you turn off the television, you turn off, you, you turn off the kids, what, you know, whatever it is, and, and you just sit down and you have this uh, eyeball-to-eyeball, um, face-to-face, knee-to-knee check-in time. Let's just talk about us. And we had to we had to negotiate that, and and it's just, it's the same it's the same for everybody. Time just doesn't happen, you know. When when you look at when you look at relationships, and you look at the fact that all all of our expectations go in a in a box like this, and and what happens is when expectations in a bo- end up in a box like this, and they end up there because you haven't had any reasonable discussions about them, or there's no factual evidence that that they should go in there. You know what happens, is is that lines get drawn in the sand. Expectations man- manifest themselves, and all of a sudden we find ourselves factionalized in in some way that all the things that I thought were going to be in there aren't in there, and the reason they aren't in there is, is, is because of something. And the because of something, um, interestingly, 
interestingly enough, um, comes largely from a section of scripture that James, that Jesus's brother is going to share with us this morning, and it comes from James chapter four. And and I love, I, j- I just love the way James says this. He says uh, about the feuds. <laughs> Don't you love that? But James just comes out and says about about the feuds. Have you, have you ever been in a feud? You ever been in? Uh, a dispute or a fight or a quarrel. James, James just, what I love about James is, James is kind of a rascal when it comes to his writing. He, he doesn't really sugarcoat a whole lot. He, 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 just, he just looks at you and says, now about the feuds uh, and struggles, lines drawn in the sand that exist among you, between you two, uh, don't you love this question? How, how about the next time you're in the middle of a mess? Um, just the next time you're in the middle of a conversation that, that gets a rise out of both of you, ask this question. Where do you suppose the feuds and the struggles come from? Have you ever asked that? Think about it. Think about it. You're, you're, you're into it. Um, in the middle of a vigorous, uh, passionate discussion about your position on something. And, and, then, and then you say, oh, stop, wait a minute, I need to ask myself a question. Where do you suppose they come from? Have, have you ever done that? Probably not. B- because in the, middle, in the middle of a feud, in the middle of an argument, in the middle of us establishing our position with respect to the expectations, uh, we don't see it because it says, can't you, he says, can't you see that they arise, the feuds and the struggles arise from conflicting passions or pleasures within yourselves? Time out. You know what he's saying? He's saying at that moment, at that place in time, in the middle of the feud and in the middle of the struggle, life is really only about you. And the word there is passions or pleasures. The, word, the actual word in, in the original language is hedonai, which is where we get our word hedonist, which is someone that's just interested in personal pursuits and personal pleasures. And, and that's what happens. That's what happens. Hopes and dreams and desires untalked about or unnegotiated or unrealized in some fashion go into this expectation box uh, unreasonably and and all of a sudden we stake our claim because we have these conflicting passions within us and the conflicting passion is this and this is sometimes what relationships break down into instead of i love you relationships they end up being i owe you relationships and as soon as, as soon as the I owe you is met, then the relationship will continue. And, and, and James goes on to say, I love this part, you crave for something and don't get it. You crave for something and don't get it. That, that means when you crave for something, that means at your core, you are single-mindedly driven about what it is that you want and what you want only. And... and and you are jealous and envious of what others have, God, and you don't possess it yourselves. Consequently, 
In your exasperated frustration, translation, unrealistic expectations, you struggle and fight with one another. I mean, does James just not nail it right there? I mean, he just, he just you know, it, it's, it's the headline. It's something we all know in the middle of the conflict. Somehow it gets away from us. We forget all about it. And, and so how do we, how do you and I, how do you and I overcome the gridlock? Because relationships can get gridlocked. In, in other words, you, you can have the same argument about the same subject uh, day after day, year after year, month after month, decade after decade, and never come to solving that issue in your relationship. And so I want to I take us quickly to understanding number two, and that is this. Re- relationships survive under a policy of joint agreement. Relationships survive under a policy of joint agreement. Now, here's, here's the, I know this might be a rub for you, but wouldn't, wouldn't you rather have it say relationships thrive under a policy of joint agreement? Wouldn't you love to see that? Are you with me? Yeah, well, yeah, of course you would. But before something can thrive, it first of all has to survive. It has to survive. And, and that's, where, uh, that's where a lot of us are. I, we've been there in, in our relationship. We've, we, you know, we've been at loggerheads over issues, and we couldn't get by them, and, and all of a sudden we realized that we need something. We need something now to make it just help us get through this next discussion, help us get through the next day, help us get through the next hour, whatever it might be. And what, we, what my bride and I settled on a long time ago because we heard and listened to and read a marriage expert by the name of Willard Harley. Willard Harley says this. In his needs, her needs. Never do anything without 100% enthusiastic agreement between the two of you. And you're saying, oh, my God, how do you get there? Right? And, and, and so my, my bride and I adopted that. And we, had, we adopted it because we didn't have any other options about what was going to sometimes help us survive a day or a discussion or an issue that we were having. And, and so Willard Harley says, policy of joint agreement. We won't do anything. We're not moving forward on any topic. We're, we're, not, we're not having any further discussions un, until, until, we, until we talk through issues like vacations. We're, 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 we're not taking a vacation until we're, we, we are working under a policy of joint agreement that we both 100% enthusiastically agree with what we're going to do, where we're going to go, how we're going to accomplish it. And, and you stop and you think, well, how much time does that take? Right? How much time does a policy of joint agreement take? Sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes it takes five minutes. Sometimes it takes five days. Sometimes it takes five months. Ron and I have worked on things sometimes that took five years. Five years for us to come to an understanding together about how do we move forward in this particular area or, or over this particular topic. And so I, I want to jump into the, to the nitty-gritty for a couple minutes here. I, I know when you think about a policy of joint agreement, in a relationship that it seems virtually impossible. It's, we, felt that way, we felt that way too. 
so, so we, we, had to get some we had to get some additional help in, in, in this arena. And, and part of the help we got was from the fellow by the name of John Gottman, um, who runs the Marriage and Family uh, uh, Institute at the University of Washington. And, and he, he, he comes up with a, a, a kind of an amazing revelation uh, for, for relationships. Um, he shared it with us. I'm going to share it with you. And, and that is, w w what is the problem? What's, what's the problem that you're having? A and the problem that you're having, he says, how, I, I'm, well, let me ask you a question. How many, how many different problems do you think there are in life? Huh? A million. Okay, that, that's probably a low number. No. The, John Gottman says there's only two. There's only two problems. And you say, what? There's only two problems? Yeah, there's only two. The, the, the problems are either solvable or unsolvable. And, and, and once, once you begin to realize in your life, in your relationships, you have two kinds of problems. You have the solvable kind and you have the unsolvable kind. And so for, from a Relationships 101 perspective, this is, this is going to be your homework until you work your way into the Relationships classes in, in March. But just, you know, in, in Relationships this week, I, I, want, I want you to take some time, we want you to take some time, and try to determine whether or not this, this constant or continual conflict or where, where, what we crave or what we get at loggerheads over or we become gridlocked over, begin to identify whether or not the problem that you're dealing with is solvable or unsolvable. Because here's, here's the deal. If you take an unsolvable problem and you put it in the solvable category by accident, you're not going to be able to work through it because you deal with them differently. So let me give you an example. Sol solvable problems. Solvable problems are fixable. All right? Solvable problems are fixable. Let me, let me give you an example of, uh, of a solvable problem. Um, when, when, I'm, when I'm driving and Ron is with me in the car, um, I'm like driving Miss Daisy, okay? Um, which means that, you know, sometimes I just kind of tootle along and really not, not Mr. Magooish by any imagination, all right? But, but just kind of tootle along, and all of a sudden she'll say, you know, you're driving next to a semi. And, and it makes me uncomfortable, um, and I get a little bit anxious when you just drive along at 75 miles an hour next to a semi. Um, can you slow down or press ahead? All right? Is that problem solvable? Yeah. Why? Be because, because I can listen to her, and, and I can say, um, you know, you're right. Um, I can slow down, or I can speed up, and, and that, th that can be the understanding that we have to solve that problem. Now, same situation. Same situation. I'm driving along like Miss Daisy next to a semi, and, and Rhonda could have said to me, you're doing it again. You don't care for me. You know how much it hurts me and makes me anxious inside. You're driving along, alongside a semi just shows an absolute overwhelming sense of not caring for me in this relationship. And I could respond by saying, trust me, I've been driving for 72 years and a semi has never fallen over on me. 
why is, why is that one unsolvable? Because there's deeper issues that come up. There's, there's the deeper issues of, of the lack of care or value or worth or significance or well-being. See, when the, when the deeper issues come up, they become, they become unsolvable. And so as in relationships, as, as, as couples, we have to learn to sit down and say, okay, is what we're dealing with, is this a solvable deal or is this an unsolvable deal? And, and John Gottman says, you know what? Solve your solvable ones. Manage the unsolvable ones. See, you can't, you can't solve unsolvable problems. When, when it comes to the... The, the situation. See, solvable problems are situational. Unsolvable problems are serial. In other words, they go on, and they go on, and they go on, and they go on. Because what's going to happen is, is that you're soon going to realize that, you know, that, that the, vacation, the vacation issue um, may be solvable, but the blended family issue may be a perpetual one. It's going to go on and on and on uh, until um, some time in the future when all the parties involved are lo- no longer in existence. And so if, if it's a blended family thing or it's the exes don't leave in Texas thing, guess what? Is that solvable or unsolvable? Is it solvable or unsolvable? It's unsolvable because the emotions of those things, they just, they just never really go away. And, and you know, my, my bride and I, we've, we, you know, we've had to work through some stuff over 36 years. My, my parents um, used to be travelers. They, they would hook up, a, they'd hook up their fifth wheel and, and they'd be gone for months at a time. And, and one year, really early on in, in our relationship, really er, early on in, in our marriage, my, my parents told us that they were taking off like six weeks uh, before, before Thanksgiving, and, and they were gonna be there in time to visit us you know, in, in November for Thanksgiving. Well, um, one day when, when we were expecting them to be there at Thanksgiving, they showed up just prior to Halloween. <laughs> and I was at work. I was at work. And, and Rhonda called me at work. We were talking about this the other day. She said, remember, you were at work and I was at home and I called you and said, your parents are here. And I said, no, you didn't. You called me and said, your parents are here. They had a fifth wheel, and they parked it in front of our house for four weeks before Thanksgiving. Solvable or unsolvable? Say it. Unsolvable. And that wasn't the worst part. That wasn't the worst part. The the worst part was um, that that my mom is a or was a little Italian lady, a, and she loved to cook. And 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 the battle was on. My my bride and and my mom competing at meals um, to see who was going to be the victor. 
and, 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 and every time, every time Rhonda got hurt in some fashion, you know, it wasn't tasty enough, it wasn't good enough, it wasn't this enough, the, the boys loved grandma's cooking, and, and mom's cooking was okay, you know, the, mom's cooking was okay, and it became frequent, frequent journeys to the bedroom to talk about, you know, the, the anxiety and angst and the hurt associated with, you know, not, not being the kind of cook that, you know, and, and my, 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 bride was, my, my bride was crushed over that kind of stuff. And, and so that's, that's unsolvable. And, and so we, we finally sat down and, and, and I said, you know I, know, I know this is crushing to you. But, I'm, but I want to give you a word picture here. When it comes to my mom's cooking and competition, nobody has ever won. Okay? It, you know, it, it, in a throwdown, you know, you can't bring a can of SpaghettiOs to a homemade pasta throwdown. <laughs> and and we, we, we talk through it. And you, you know what it really, it really had, to, it had to do with? It, it, it has to do with us, you know, letting go sometimes of things that, We'd like to be the best at, or we'd like to be good at, or we'd like to win at, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But, th- but this, is, this is what my bride did. My, she's so wise. That's why she was on the expert, um, she was on the expert list earlier. The next time my parents came, she sat my mom down and said, the kitchen's yours. I'll set the table, but it's yours to plan meals, cook meals, shop for meals, do whatever you want to do with respect to meals. Um, and um, I'm, I'm just going to enjoy the cooking. She relaxed and took a break. And, and sometimes for us, this, this is what it's going to require in Relationships 101. Look at, look at this verse. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want to break, break this down for us because it means everything. In a policy of joint agreement, it means everything in negotiating life together. But you notice that the, the primary topic here is God. And, and God says that he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In relationships, we, we got to get this one. The, the word proud, the word proud means shine above. So, so God is saying he resists those people that want to shine above other people. In, in other words, if your motivation is to be above, to shine above, to get above, to be one-upmanship over other people, God is going to resist you in that. But it says he gives grace to the humble. The humble means inner 
lowness. Inner lowness. So we've got the shine above person, and we've got the inner lowness person. And, and in, in my bride dealing with my mom, you know what she did? She, she gave up being the shine above person and said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to become the inner lowness person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sit back, and at the core of who I am, I'm, I'm going to relax, and I'm going to be humble. My core strength is not going to be in, in what I cook or how I cook or against whom I cook. My core strength is going to be in the fact that God gives grace to me when I lower myself. When it says God resists the proud, when it, the, the proud, the one that shines above, you know the word resist really means, it means this. When you're proud, now this is, this is wake up. This is a God wake up call. God says this. When you're proud, when you want to shine above other people, the word resist actually means order him, ordering himself against you. When, when, we're, when we're proud, when we want to shine above, God orders himself against us. The other way of saying it is he squares off against us in principle and practice. And so here's the, here's the, here's the scenario. This is the bottom line for today. If you're in the middle of stuff, are, are you being the shine above person or are you being the lower, lower person in humbling yourself? Because if we're the shine above person, the reason things aren't working is God is directly opposed to you and your attitude, and you will never come across in this relationship as someone who's going to make it work or be a victor or eventually survive in the relationship. This verse is so powerful, and, 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 and it's kind of a homework takeaway. Am, am I going to be an inner lowness person, or am I going to be a shine above person? Because God gives grace to the humble. Now remember, resist means to stand against or to square off. You know what grace means? The literal translation of the word grace is lean in. Lean in. See, God, God says when you lower yourself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean into you. I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to I'm going to work you through it. I'm going to walk you through it. But if you're against me or or you're a shine above person, I'm going to make life so doggone difficult that's going to wear your biscuits out. So choose inner lowness before you choose shine above. Last point, last understanding. Relationships thrive when you repeat understandings one and two. <laughs> How about that? You see what I'm saying? When, when, you, when you begin to repeat the same thing over and over again in a healthy way, you're, you're, actually, you're actually building something. For, for those of you that may not know, I started quilting a little while ago. I'm a multifaceted guy. But you know, it's an example of relationships thrive 
when you repeat understandings one and two. If, if, you, if you look at every single square, see, when, you, when, you're, when you're putting a quilt together, what you do is, is you cut small pieces of something. This just happens to be denim, which I buy on, at the thrift store on the clearance rack. See, when you, when you look at each square, maybe, maybe this square was the conflict with a mother-in-law, and, and you decided to survive it by putting together a policy of joint agreement. Maybe, maybe, this, maybe this square was a conflict with an extended family member and you decided to sit down and negotiate it through a policy of joint agreement and, and work out a solution that was either solved the problem or allow you, allowed you to continue to manage in some fashion. What if, what if this square was time together? What if this square was how do we release our resources and we come to a policy of joint agreement on it? What if this square is how do we raise our children? How do we discipline? How do we get engaged with who they are and where they are? How do we understand their personalities? What if, what if this square was the occupational square, whether we decide to both work, one works, one stays home? What, what, if, what if this square was an ex that doesn't live in Texas and, and you negotiate or figure out a different way to finally work through whatever the challenges might be? And you know what happens? Is, is that eventually you'll take every one of those surviving squares and you'll sew them together. By themselves, they don't look like a whole lot. But when you take survive, 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 and you continue to repeat it over and over and over again until things get better over and over and over again, there's a whole different tapestry in life unfolds. And we're gonna do a song in a couple minutes. And you probably think, you know what? My life is so messed up. Don't, don't talk to me about messed up. Because I know what it's like to have messed up. But I also know what it's like to put life back together piece by piece, square by square expectation by expectation turning into the correct hopes and dreams and desires. And you know the only way we're going to do it 
is inner lowness. And with God's help. The song we're going to do is called Waymaker. You may not have a lot of confidence in you right now, but you can have confidence in him because he's willing to say, if you stop trying to shine above, if you adopt inner lowness, I guarantee you that in some way I will lean into your life and I will make your life different not only daily, but weekly, but yearly, but decadely, whatever it might be. Because he loves and cares for us. Let's just let him make the way. Let's adopt inner lowness. I guess we'd have to ask if why we wouldn't do that. Don't do it if everything's working okay for you now. But if it's not, it's probably your next move. You'll probably make better decisions and have fewer regrets in any relationship you have. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, for the truths, and most of all for the clear and clean understanding that if we get low, if we humble ourselves, you'll lean in and care for us above anything we've ever known and understood. And we just ask for that in life. And we praise you for it in your son's gracious name. Amen.